Welcome to Hometown Highlights, where we sit down with professionals, business owners, and community members. There are so many unique and incredible stories in the individuals and businesses that surround us every day. Here on Hometown Highlights, we bring attention to these stories and bring them to the spotlight. We also want to thank our sponsors at Hitchings Insurance. We appreciate their support in creating this podcast. Now, let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to Hometown Highlights, where we sit down with professionals, business owners, and community members. There are so many unique and incredible stories in the individuals and businesses that surround us every day. Here on Hometown Highlights, we bring attention to these stories and bring them to the spotlight. We also want to thank our sponsors at Hitchings Insurance. We appreciate their support in creating this podcast. Now, let's jump into the conversation. Hello and welcome to Hometown Highlights Podcast. I am your co-host, Dom Fry, the insurance guy, here with my co-host, Ryan Pessel. Ryan, how are we doing this morning? Dom, I'm doing really well. I appreciate you asking me. Yeah, of course. We are really excited to have a great episode uh, for today. For It'll be cool as, to have on the podcast to be able to interview a podcast host herself and her being able to you know, put the chair on the other side of the table to uh, you know, be interviewed for today's show. So to introduce our guest, our guest was born and raised in Tampa, Florida. They were homeschooled and got their bachelor's degree in international politics. Right now, they are focused on training, and uh, their favorite movie at the moment is Iron Cowboy, training for a half marathon, excuse me, half Iron Man at the moment. And they are telling the story of the power of independent insurance agencies' data. So let's welcome our guest, Sid Rowe. Sid, how are we doing today? What's up, guys? I am just pumped that I not only get Dominic on the line, but I get Ryan, too. That was a, that was a welcome surprise when I hopped on. So I'm feeling pretty lucky this morning. Plus, it is 63 degrees in Minnesota, so... It's a good day, dude. It's a good day. 63. That's uh, I think that's about what it's going to be here in Ohio today. Um, yeah. That's that's winter in Florida. That's summer in <laughs> Quite the difference. Um, how does a how does a Florida girl end up in Minnesota? That's what I want to know. I ask myself that question every day. I've been here for 4 years. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I I'm, you know, I'm secretly plotting to move to ohio though so oh soon to be out of this the 63 degree summers yeah i heard you're uh possibly heading to uh what the cleveland area you're thinking about maybe i was thinking about it yeah yeah That's now that i said it on a podcast i feel like i have to do it though so. <laughs> what, what's the draw to ohio sid well, our our company that we started about two years ago is headquartered in Cleveland, and right now the headquarters is a one-man show with Seth Zaremba, also insur- an insurance agency owner, um, and, you know, I felt like uh, maybe he needs a little, a little help, a little support there in Cleveland, and uh, I know I'm working alone every day in my apartment and, uh, I know he's going into the office alone every day. And I just thought, 
man, why don't we just put two and two together and figure this out? So we'll see. We'll see. Huh. Yeah, very, very, very interesting from still a Florida girl, though, and uh, yeah. still going to be in the Midwest, right? Yep, yep, yep. Still, uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd move back to Have you guys been to Florida? Yes. Oh, yeah. I have. Yep. Okay, so you know it's kind of a weird, weird place. Like, <laughs> it's hot. It, have you, are, are you referring to, you know, have you ever done the Google challenge where you just type in Florida guy and then type in your <laughs> date of birth and just see all the articles and, you know, oh. the things that have been, things that happened on your date of birth in the state of Florida? Is that what you're referring to, Sid? I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up, but <laughs> it's out there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely, um, that's one of our, <laughs> I would say that's a, 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 you know, symbol of awesomeness of Florida, but uh, definitely one of the things that we, that, that kind of defines us. It seems like all the crazies moved to Florida for some reason. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because you've got, it's like this melting pot, right? You've got snowbirds who are trying to figure out how to stay warm. You've got, uh, you've got, uh, you know, almost like a different country down south. You've got, uh, you know, crazy spring breakers who are coming to the coasts uh, every, you know, couple months or so. And then somewhere in the middle of all that, you have families who are trying to just be normal. <laughs> And raise families, and it's just a it's just a wacky place. So, the Midwest for for as much as it you know for as much as people say it's maybe it's not like the coolest place. Like you might not think of Cleveland as like an LA or a Chicago, but I think it's pretty cool. I mean, the the culture in the Midwest, the people in the Midwest are honestly some of the best people I've I've come to know. They're just I don't know, man. I don't know how to explain it. They're just really good people. So, not going to argue with that. It is, uh, yeah, probably a little bit more of a standard individual in the Midwest compared to the Florida. You can, uh, yeah, quite the variety in Florida. It's almost like its own country, you know. Like yeah. you said, with all the different uh, people that you get down there, different reasons and such. But yep. Yeah. Let's transition this. Let's get to know you a little bit better, Sid. Uh, you know, first, we kind of opened up a little bit. Let's go with the weather. You know, you were born and raised in Tampa, live in Minnesota now. You know, are you more of a hot or a cold weather person? Which climate do you prefer? Oh, man. Uh, that's an interesting question. So what I've come to learn is that, you know, at least with the cold, there's a way to get warmer. Hmm. Uh, with the heat, you, there's only so many layers you can strip down <laughs> before, <laughs> before people start asking questions, right? So uh, I don't know that I would necessarily uh, – I've come to appreciate both, I think. Um, what I will say is moving to Minnesota, I'll never forget of being about a, a 30 days in or so and sitting across from one of my coworkers – and just having this moment of realization, like I just was working and I just looked up at her and I said, so, cause I moved in February. So it was cold out and snowing all the time and that kind of stuff. I just looked at her and I said, what happens if you get stuck outside? Like, what, what do you do? And she just looks at me and she goes, you die. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> if you don't find shelter, find somebody that you literally, you know, human beings can't survive. So I don't know, pros and cons there, right? Like at least you can get warmer, but you don't want to be stuck outside uh, forever. So I, I don't know. Come to appreciate both, I'd say. Fair enough. Uh, next question, you know, you are a marketer. You use a lot of technology, digital, in the digital space a lot. Yes. Which do you prefer, you know, personally between Apple products or Android, specifically for your phone? Are you an Apple or Android supporter? Ooh. Is there a wrong answer to this question? In my opinion, yes. <laughs> I can feel it in your voice. Oh, man. I so I'm gonna have to go Apple. I'm, I'm pausing for dramatic. Yep, yep that, that's a correct. That, that is my correct. my okay. opinion as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and I'll I'll be curious to see if our reasons are the same. Then I I just like software that is optimized for the you know for me. Like I, the thing mm-hmm. with Android is it's flexible, so you get to do whatever you want with it, which is you know, great for a developer, I think. Um, but I, I like that, you know, while Apple has some flexibility, they, they start you a little closer to the finish line. Uh, you come into that, you know, to that piece of software with it sort of already being optimized with best practices and with the greatest minds on top of it, thinking about user experience and stuff like that. So uh, what's, your, what's your reason for Apple? I'm curious. I like Apple because I just feel that it's very easy to use, very simple. Now, you know, and maybe I'm a little biased, like, you know, I've been using Apple products since I think the iPod Nano was probably the first Apple product that I had, you know, and then eventually got an iPod Touch and then an iPhone and, you know, yada, yada. But even throughout, like, all their products and how they've um, developed and changed, but they're still like generally the same setup. And I just find it very simple and easy to use. And I've always had an iPhone, but with some of friends, family members, whatever that have Androids, like they, they always, you know, I had my brother particularly that he loved it because he could shake his phone and it would turn on the flashlight or he could (laughs) twist his phone one way or the other. And it would do some trick or whatever. And I'm like, what? Like I, for me, that just doesn't really, you know, get me excited. I don't really care about that. Like, I just want yeah. functionality, and I want it simple, and I want to know, okay, if I'm having an issue, I can easily go into the settings, go boom, 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 fix this, you know, whatever it may be. I just, I feel that the Apple products are just very simple. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy, too, because simple is really hard. Right. Like, you would think that that simple would be easy and complicated would be hard, you know, in the software world, but but actually it's the opposite. Like, like simple software takes way more work than some of the more complex software out there. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know who said this. Some famous person said you spend more time on a 10 minute speech than you do on like a 60 minute speech. Hmm. It's the same principle there, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. So I, I'm with you. I like simple too. Yeah. Yep. It takes the no, I, I, it's actually funny you said that, Sid, because I was thinking the exact same thing. You know, it's more difficult to be precise with your wording and to, you know, shorten things down rather than anyone can just kind of blabber and go on and on and on, similar to, you know, creating a simple product or a simple phone and such. Yes, yes, I would agree. All right, well, I'm glad I got that answer right. <laughs> Next question for you. Okay. Are you a morning or a night person? 
110% a morning person. Have you always been a morning person or just recently you're kind of in like being an adult has created you has made you into a, a morning person? I would say probably being an adult and, and responsibility. <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, I, I so here's the thing. There's nothing like waking up at like 4, 4.15 and knowing that you're one of the only people awake in the world. And it's just so quiet. <laughs> and even more so when you, you have kids. Do you, do you have kiddos? I, I do not. No, I do not. You don't? Okay. Ryan, you have kids. So yeah, I've got two boys. Know, yeah, you know what I mean, man. It's mm-hmm. like you wake up and you're like, whoa. It's Nonstop. Quiet. It's yeah, quiet. It's quiet. And you can think and breathe. And uh, I don't know, just get – I find you know myself more productive earlier in the morning. So – Definitely a morning person. Awesome. Uh, let's transition a little bit. I'm actually interested. You know, I, I briefly mentioned it in the intro. You said that right now you are training for a half marathon. Favorite movies: The Iron Cowboy. You know, you are uh, headstrong onto that. You know, triathlon um, mindset right now. Is that like? Have you done a triathlon before, or is this going to be your first one doing this half? <laughs> Uh, it's so funny that that's the question you, you asked. So no, I've never done a triathlon before. And I walked into, for all the people out there who are considering doing one, I would say go for it. Um, November of last year, I walked into a, a triathlon coaching uh, company and just said, um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do an Ironman, do a full Ironman. I'm doing September 21st of 2021. Uh, there's one in Arizona I want to do. There's a couple of other people I know doing it. And (laughs) this lady who runs the shop looked at me and she was like, okay, have you ever done a triathlon before? And I just said, nope, but I'm going to do the Ironman and you got to get me there. And you know, uh, (laughs) how much does it cost? And what's the, what what does the workout look like? And, uh, she started chuckling. And so we talked that that day and she had gotten my cell phone number. She actually called me that night and said, look, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. I know you want to run this Ironman at the end of 2021, but let me ask you why you want to run it. Are you doing it for mm. the Facebook picture? Are you, are you just, is it just a whim? Like what is the reason for you running this thing? And I thought about it and I was like, well, I really want to test myself. I want to see what I'm capable of as a human being. I just, I don't, I'm I'm just curious, right? Like what can the human body withstand? What can I mentally withstand? Um, And, and she said, well, if that's your why, then I would recommend doing the full Ironman in 2022 and actually getting a couple triathlons under your belt. So you understand the strategy and, the training regimen and just what racing feels like and where you sit. Cause I guarantee you'll get to September 21st of 2021, finish that race and know you could have done more. Huh. So, um, so that's, that is, uh, I guess that's my story. Now I haven't run one yet. I'm, I got my first Olympic in three weeks. Uh, so I, I'm not a triathlete, but I'm very excited to, to, uh, to, to test it out and see how it goes. So that's awesome. I'm excited for you. I'm uh, actually for the first time. I'm doing a sprint triathlon at the end of July. What? 
Yeah. Dude. Yeah. My brother, he's big into triathlon. He's he's done a half. He has not done a full one. Uh, but he does the yeah, couple sprint Olympic every year. And this year, pretty much, you know, it's funny you say that, pretty much the same thing as you. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, let's just do it. Let's just, you know, I love, I love just, um, very similar to what you said, love just testing my body and just seeing what it can do, uh, you know, physically and mentally, you know, enduring through those kinds of um, pressure points and such. So I'm like, dude, let's just do it. Something I can do with my brother. And so when I saw that on your sheet, I was like, whoa. I mean, that's super cool, training for the half, and yeah, you have an Olympic coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, that is awesome. I'm excited okay. for you, Sid, Dude. and I hope it goes well for you. I appreciate that, and I now that you told me that you've done one, I need to ask for your top tip, because yeah. if I meet somebody, they're like, okay, I've never done one before, so give me... Give me the load. What would you, if you could take yourself back to Dom, like before you, <laughs> well, were in, you knew something different, what would it be? So uh, I hate to burst your bubble, but I might have misspoke. I said that I'm going to do my first one. In oh, July. going to do your first one. Yes. I miss that. Yes. Okay. We're in the I, same I, yeah. I've always been a runner. Like I've ran my whole life. I've never really done a whole lot of competitively swimming and biking, but yeah. Um, yeah so I'm going to do my first one at the okay. end of July. Okay, you might, you might, I just, I got excited there. <laughs> Dom, you have run a full marathon, though. Yeah, yep, I did uh, last winter. Luckily, I did it, yeah, before the Rona hit, um, so I could actually get it in, and I did it back in February, mm-hmm. in my, actually in Miami, Florida, was where I went for the race. You're kidding me, dude. No. Did you see, that's a, that's a hot race, and really it, it was warm, but in, I mean, it was warmer, obviously, than what I was expecting or used to with training here in Ohio, but, I mean, the race started at, I don't know, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and in February, I mean, I think it maybe got to, by the end of the race, mid-60s, mm-hmm. so it wasn't as bad as what, um, as what you might assume. Okay, so what would be your top tip for a marathoner, then? <laughs> <laughs> and you can only say one thing. What would it be? What would be um, you cannot underestimate the pain that you are going to have to endure during the race. Mm. Like, and, and no, and maybe I was spoiled too. But you know, training wise, like my training went great. Um, you know, I was running twenty, twenty-two miles, running tempos, running. You know, everything was relatively pretty easy while training. Race day come, you know, I thought the same thing. My confidence was through the roof. I said, yeah, no, I'm going to go out, hit my goal pace, boom, 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 walk away and uh, feel great. Oh, my goodness gracious. It was yikes. That last five miles was, <laughs> it was terrible. It was by far the worst physical pain I've ever felt in my entire life. I told, I think every single step, the last five miles, I just told myself, I'm never running ever again. I'm never running ever again. I'm <laughs> never running ever running again. Yeah, and here I am. You know? it, it took a couple weeks until, you know, I probably changed my mind on that. But for five miles straight, every single step, you know, so maybe I wasn't the most positive during the race either. But <laughs> well, what did it, what did it feel like when you crossed the finish line, though? Uh, pretty miserable. Pretty, it, 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 really? It, I mean, it wasn't until. Um, I mean, maybe later that same week, you know, maybe yeah. it like was like, okay, that's cool. Like, you know, I checked it off my bucket list. I, uh, but I, I, like, I had a goal, a time that I wanted to hit and I did not hit that goal. So then I was a little yeah. bit, you know, disappointed, but yeah. at the end of the day, it was really just my pride that was on the line. You know, it's not like there was a team or anything, you know, like that, that I had to hit the goal for, but 
I mean, I would, yeah, probably took me like maybe a week until I was like, you know what? I'm like, that was actually pretty cool. And I'm glad that I did that. But um, yeah, I crossed the line. It was, it wasn't like a, wow, this is so awesome. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So I got, so you're the second person who said uh, in, in different words, but that the pain of the race is like, you can't explain it. You just have to go through it. Right. Um, right. I talked to a guy a couple weeks ago who's done a full Ironman and he said, he said the same thing, like the last, cause the run is the last piece. So it's like the back half of your run. And he, and that's a, I mean, the Ironman is a full marathon at the end. Right. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, he just said, you, your mental game has to be so strong mm. that you just like almost disassociate from your body and you just, you just go like, you just tell your feet to keep putting one foot in front of the other, no matter how much it hurts. Uh, so, so good to know. Thanks for that, man. I appreciate the, uh, the yeah, hit. yeah, of course. Let's land, or I guess, do you want to take it, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, so I appreciate you touching base on your on on the hobbies. So training for a half mar, uh, half Ironman, sorry, not a half marathon. That's just part of it. Um, so what is that? One point two mile swim, fifty six mile bike, thirteen point one on the running. Is that what that is? Yep. Yep. How do you train? What's your training regimen look like right now? Oh, uh, it is two a days. So typically, I'll do strength in the morning i'm doing crossfit right now and then uh either a bike run or swim in the afternoon um now not every day i do strength there are some days i take off and then i've got typically i have one day off a week um where that's a rest day just to let my body sort of catch mm-hmm. up uh and then on the weekends is and and dom can attest to this from training for a marathon it's the long the long run bike or swim so that's where you go out for you know you're going out for your 15 mile run or your 50 mile bike or whatever it is that that day um so and then it's check-ins with my coach I did hire a coach I know you know some people use like the the online uh programs and they'll just sort of find one that works for them but I wanted somebody to teach me the strategy behind the race so like for example I, I didn't know this, but they measure the race course off of what they call tangents. So it's it's corner to corner, which means technically, if you're not running on the exact line that they measure the race off of, you hmm. could be running more miles than what the marathon is is actually set at. So you could get done with a, a marathon, which is you know the twenty six point two, and run twenty six point seven or 27.2 even maybe. So being able to, you know, the race strategy is all about efficiency. So it's, it's your body, it's your, your skill at the sport, and then it's knowing the race strategy too. So that's why I hired a coach is to, to just sort of, you know, help me understand things that I, I've never run one before. So I, you know, I'd like, it's nice for somebody to just kind of get you, get you prepped on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's also a community of people too, which is nice from an accountability perspective. If, you know, if you don't show up to those, those group runs or those group swims, it's kind of weighs on you that week. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's training. Um, But uh, it's, it's a lot, dude. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, as your does your coach help with like diet and food and all that kind of stuff as well? Yeah. So uh, there's actually two two conversations about diet. One is just what is your you know what are you eating? Are you eating McDonald's every day? Or are you eating you know putting good stuff in your body to keep you keep your energy levels up? And you almost have to think of your body like a machine, right? You just sort of feed it what it needs to keep going. And then there's what they call nutrition, which I did not realize this was, there's like a whole ecosystem around this race that has its own verbiage and its own language. And one of the terms is this nutrition, which is a word that they use to describe food or, uh, you know, stuff you consume on race day. So there, so number one, a lot of this stuff is like gels and goo and it's, Sometimes there's maybe more sugar in it or different types of ingredients than what your body's used to on a normal day. So you have to get your body like accustomed to eating or, or drinking that kind of stuff. Like we don't drink gel that has, you know, a certain uh, composite of ingredients that give you energy on a normal day, right? I'm going to eat like a burger or a sandwich or something like that. Um, so you don't want to be puking on race day. Um, so learning, like getting your body accustomed to that, um, and then knowing what, what, how often do you eat this stuff? Like, you know, do you eat it before you start? How many goos do you eat during the race day? Do you eat the ones with caffeine and how many of those shouldn't you have? Cause you don't want to be buzzing by, you know, (laughs) by whatever. Um, (laughs) so there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole strategy behind that too. It's, it's really, I think what it's taught me is um, it's really, you know, when I first started this, I just thought, well, I'll hire a coach and then they're going to tell me, here's the miles you got to run and and then you'll be off. And the amount of just knowledge and expertise there is around the human body when it comes to pushing it to its max and what it needs in preparation and on that day with workouts and food i mean dude like we have an insane amount of knowledge as a as a group of people as like as human beings as a society around just that itself it is it is really the coolest thing Hmm. so yeah that's all man i just the distances are, it's, it's amazing to sit here and think, you know, 56 miles on a bike, that would get me to like Toledo, um, <laughs> you know, may, probably farther, like North Toledo. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know where Toledo is, but that sounds far. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and again, this is, this is new for us. So this is, you're the first guest outside of our, you know, Northwest Ohio area, which is neat for us. So oh, cool. um, really just, you know, as far as hometown highlights, really that can be any hometown. Um, so th- this is neat for us and, and you're in a different, um, you know, you're in a different spot than, than anyone we've, than we've interviewed this far as you're, you're part of a startup, you're a content creator, you're a marketer. So you have this really interesting skill set. Um, I just want to kind of touch base on a little bit of it. And for the people listening, she's like a Sydney is a champion golfer, which I just found out like four weeks ago. <laughs> I don't know. How many times have you played Sydney? Dude, I, I, um, 
so I've only ever played with my grandma like a couple times. I just got lucky, man. I, I, I'm man, telling I don't know. There was <laughs> also, a lot of skill involved. Also, that means a lot coming from you because um, so for anyone who doesn't know, do not play golf with Ryan Pestle. He's a beast and he sneaks up on you because he starts the he starts the course like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm just Ryan Pestle and here's my golf club. <laughs> You know, whatever. We'll just drive the goal. We'll just we'll just hit a couple balls, and then like, like, like a quarter of the way in, something just snaps, and he's like, "All right, no, this is on. This is on now." And he get he's got the like you do a little like sway right before you hit the ball. It's a whole, yeah, like a whole thing, man. It's, it's so good. It's called a waggle. You just you know. But just for the listeners, so we come up on the first tee box. And Sydney got, I don't know, probably like a hundred yard advantage. It was a par five. And she goes up, she takes one practice swing, and she absolutely laces one like 225 at least. And we had a we had like a nine iron or a wedge into the green. And we ended up making eagle because Robbie put one to about four feet. And this isn't a charity outing for one of the organizations that he represents. And it was so much fun. And then we go, it was like hole eight. Um, of our round, Sydney goes up, I think, with a driver, right? On the par three, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hits it to about 20 feet on the green, and then she's got a big downhiller, um, a left and a right. And she does, she continues to make a natural birdie on her own without the help of any of her teammates. Uh, hit the drive on, then makes the first putt, and we continued to celebrate and jump up and down, and it was a lot of fun to see. So that was Sydney's golf experience, and I got to play with her, and it was a, it was a heck of a lot of fun. We were down in uh, we were in Virginia, in the Martinsville area, playing. So it was it was really neat. It was, it was. It was so on your on your interview, uh, one of your one of your weaknesses is impatience. Give me some examples of impatience and why that's a weakness for you. Ah. I just, uh, yeah, I am, you know, it's funny because you would think in the startup world, um, you know, the, the, the startup mantra is, is always kind of like, well, we're different than the, the old barge ship that's been plugging along and can't turn fast enough. We're like that super speedy boat that just pivots and corrects and turns and, moves really fast and is really agile. Um, and, and I think, I mean, that's a hundred percent true, but you don't want to turn so quickly. You flip the boat over and I have a, I sometimes have a tendency to push too hard um, on myself or on other people. And, uh, and that gets me into trouble sometimes. And I have to always remember that uh, things, good things take time. Great things take even more time. Um, and, and really consistency is the name of the game. So if you, if you have the belief that something will work and you wake up every day and you do the right thing and you keep grinding, um, you know, I would like to think, and I'm, I'm only 31, so I don't have a ton, you know, of, of proof on this, but I would like to think that, um, success is in your future, whatever that might look like for you. But, um, but pushing too hard and being too impatient, especially with other people, um, you know, you, you have to bring people along. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't, um, 
have to set reasonable expectations, right? Know where they're at and then maybe a, a step or two ahead. But if you're 10 steps ahead and getting frustrated that people aren't rising to the challenge, I think you lose the, you lose the war, even if you might win a battle or two. So I, I don't know if that helps. I can give more specific. No, that's, that's perfect. And then obviously one of your strength, your best, you know, the strength that you list is listening, which I can vouch for. Um, you always, you're, you're always laser focused with how you uh, approach a conversation and you, you, you see out and, you get into to a deep conversation and understanding by listening, um, which is really a really a strength for you. And I and I see that with with all the work that we do together. Um, so you know, I, I would agree that's probably is your greatest strength because you you are willing to listen and have those conversations um, to to make things better. Mm. Yeah. I think it's really important to be a sponge. I mean, if you think you know everything, uh, well, you're probably in the wrong room, right? I mean, the reason that the reason that I even started on this whole mission with the Atomic was because I looked at people like you and Matt Simon and Seth and Robbie and Christopher and the Trimbles and all the other people involved. And I said, I literally looked at, at my partner at the time and I said, that is a room of people that I want to be in because I know they're going to make me better. And um, being able to listen and understand where you're missing um, and how you can be a better person is, I mean, that's, I would like to think that everybody wants to be a better person. I, I know that's not necessarily true, but um, but if you do, then you know that that the, the first step to getting there is just shutting up and not talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's good advice. That's always good advice. Yeah. I have a I have a question for you, Sid. To take maybe yeah. a couple of steps back at the very beginning, you know, in the introduction, I mentioned what are you doing today. And, you know, that you are telling the story of the power of the independent insurance agency data. Mm -hmm. And for those that may not, you know, listening to this episode, they may not know you, may not know what exactly that means. They don't know anything about the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. You know, can you, um, you know, briefly or, you know, simply, you know, kind of put the company that you work for, you know, you've mentioned startups. I guess we've talked about it a little bit here and there and thrown out some names, but as far as people that may not understand that, like mm -hmm. what what is the company you work for and what do they do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll just put this in terms that really any small business owner could understand, um, even somebody who's not in the insurance industry. Right now, as a business owner, you've got to be operating off of some sort of software right? Uh, you can't run your business off of Excel spreadsheets stored on a server somewhere or, you know, pieces of paper you're passing back and forth between teammates or clients. You've got software that you're running off of. And there's a very valuable asset that sits inside that software, and that is the data. Um, if you think about, if you look out at the world and you think about um, the movement of the market, right? And, and what, are new, what are new economies that are popping up, new verticals that are popping up? The data economy is one of the fastest growing uh, marketplaces out there. 
Hmm. You know, you think about Facebook and you think about what Google's doing and what Amazon's, Amazon's doing. Um, and all these, you know, the big five, Apple, you mentioned loving Apple. Um, you know, the, the name of their game is data. And so, okay, well, what does that mean? What is the value of data, Sid? Well, number one, it has an insane value internally to that, that business. Being able to see the day-to-day operations in real time, hey, how many emails did we get? And where is the friction in different processes that we have as a business? And why are clients unhappy? Why are they happy? What is, where is performance dropping with my team or with maybe partners that I'm working with? All of those answers sit inside the data. As a business owner, you know, because if you're not running like a 100, 200 person company, you might have a guess as to why things are happening. But until you look at the data, you don't know. And so there's this there's a there's a confidence and a transparency that that it creates internally to the business within the insurance industry. Specifically, it has a ton of value. And I, I can't speak to maybe every industry, but I guess I challenge the people listening to think about their own verticals um, in this light. You know, agency data can revolutionize the way the insurance industry works because the agent has the relationship with the customer. They see everything that happens um, with the client and with the carrier and, and in, internally in their own agency. And that type of insight is what's going to drive the next change inside the insurance industry. And look, if, if you own a business, you've probably gotten commercial insurance before. Maybe you get it from, from Ryan at Hitchings. You, you know that insurance can be better, right? There's a lot of improvement that it can make. And, and we believe a lot of that starts with, okay, where are we going wrong And as an industry? And we got to look at the data to know. And then the last piece is, what value does your data have to this new marketplace that's coming, coming up and rising, right? Facebook has figured out a way to monetize that data set. Um, you know, Amazon and Google also doing the same thing. So why, if, an, if, a, if a small business is collecting data around their operations, around the way that a consumer shops and buys and has issues. And, you know, why is that not something that as small businesses, why can't we participate in that market too? Hey, we have information about consumers and it's just as valuable as the information that a Google has or that an Amazon has. The problem is scale, right? You you Hmm. can't maybe collect as much information about as many consumers, which is the problem we're trying to solve, is, is to help scale small business information. But, but it's, it's incredibly valuable. I mean, at its core, the stuff that is collected, the insights about consumers, how do we democratize you know, that data ownership with, with small businesses across America? And you know, that's what we're thinking about in, at the Atomic in the insurance industry. So. Hopefully that gives some food for thought for those that are, are not super close to insurance. Yeah, I think that I think you did a great job at explaining that and just 
you know, starting from the business owner aspect, you know, if you are a business owner and the data that you have and how it can impact internally your business, but then also, you know, what you can do with that data, um, you know, from a marketplace, from an industry perspective, and specifically the company that you work for creates the software for insurance agencies for them to use to be able to, uh, you know, work more efficiently and, you know, be able to provide a better service to their customers um, <clears throat> with the software that they use. Because like you mentioned, they all, every single insurance company, every business is using software. It's just a matter of what you are using and how efficient or how it's working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my follow-up question, you know, specifically on our podcast here, we talk a lot about the community, you know, the hometown highlights. And as mm-hmm. Ryan mentioned earlier, you know, it's cool that you are the first person we've had outside of the, uh, you know, Northwest Ohio area and able just to talk to and, you know, how are you making an impact in your community? And your situation is, uh, for several reasons, different, again, for those that we've had on. And you, with the software company that you guys have, with Neon, with Atomic, you are able to use that software company to then provide the agencies, wherever they are at in their community, for them to be able to provide the best experience for their customers and be able to benefit their communities um, you know, as efficiently and as best as they can. And it's cool because you, you know, with... Yeah, with your company, you're able to provide really, it's on a national um, stage compared to even just a smaller community. There's nationally, and there are multiple different communities that you guys are able to impact. Can you, I guess, maybe briefly go into, or not briefly, can you, you know, kind of describe as far as the community impact and what you guys are able to do at Neon and Be Atomic? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I am. My heart is in is in small business America. I mean, my dad, I, I will, my dad owns an insurance agency in Florida and I grew up going to the office and, you know, mailing envelopes and typing, uh, you know, putting, putting information into these old systems that, you know, everyone would probably uh, <laughs> be, be scared of today. Um, I grew up in that world. I, uh, it, it means everything to me. And I would love to see a world where my brother, who is now uh, almost 20, has the opportunity to, and freedom and independence to either you know take over my dad's business or go out and start his own business or you know, really his own insurance agency or whatever he might be able to do Um, and not have to feel like to be successful, he has to go work for the man or he has to go find a corporate job and deal with red tape um, and, you know, have it eat his soul away. Um, So it's very close to home for me. And specifically with Be Atomic, um, you know, the... I don't know that every software company comes from those beginnings. Uh, I think that while software is something that small businesses use, I don't know that the the business model is really built around uh, is really built around the finding every nook and cranny to push that small business forward. Um, what we're trying to do from a data standpoint 
is find new sources of revenue for for those businesses, right? It's it's not we could have very easily said, "Hey Ryan, why don't you just give us your data and then we'll go sell it out the back here by the software and then we'll just take his data and we'll go sell it out the back end and it's pure profit." And we don't give any of that money back to him and we just, "Oh, we found the gold and figured out a second source of revenue for you know, for B Atomic and now we're scaling super fast and we've all got cushy jobs and great. Um, but that's not why we started this company. We started this company because we want to provide an opportunity to to help, uh, uh, you know, to help insurance agencies grow and be better and um, and find meaningful ways to increase profit and, and increase sources of revenue. So uh I guess I would just say, you know, to to any software companies out there and anybody else you guys um, interview, I would just challenge them to do the same thing um, and not see it as an opportunity to become the next Google or the next uh, Amazon, right? That's kind of like what we're trying to get away from here um, and to find ways to support, um, you know, people in, to your point, people in their hometown trying to make make the world a better place with their own, with their own two hands. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's, it's complicated for one, but at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is help small business owners provide a world-class customer service, like the Amazons and Googles of the world. Um, Just because we don't have necessarily the horsepower or the resources to, to provide that, software that digital experience it's really how do you mesh software with um with people and have a have the best experience that you can find yes so it's a it's a different avenue that you guys are taking um and and here's the thing dude is you put an amazon uh you know or a google or and I guess the, the insurance equivalent would be like a progressive or a state farm experience right. up against you know, walking into uh, walking into the shop of the guy that or gal that I know that I know has my back um, and that I have a relationship with, and that person who sees me as Sid Rowe and not number one, two, three, four, five, six is going to win every day. And the older I get, the more I believe in that. Um, right. and, and you know, I anybody who thinks that millennials are you know, not interested in that or the next up and coming, I I would challenge that um, theory 110%. I think in many ways, I think we're going to have a lot of people who, I mean, look at the pandemic, right? It's, I think this has actually caused people to say, whoa, there is, we've got too much digital in our lives. You're going to see an increase in people going to smaller gyms and finding communities in person and wanting to support their local businesses. And um, so I I think we're going to see actually a little bit of a, as much as businesses need to get better, faster, it's not an excuse to, oh, well, you know, then I don't need to think about a different way of doing things. No, you still have to get better. But I, I think the value prop of having the relationship and being a part of the community and being someone people can count on and trust and know plus having speed and efficiency and this amazing experience is 
you that is unstoppable. That is an unstoppable com- combination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about man. You go so many ways here. It, it's all very interesting. What? Let's talk about the startup life and anybody starting a business, since that's essentially what you've been living for what the last 18, 24 months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what kind of stress does it have working for a start startup just in general? Oh my goodness! Don't do it. <laughs> How many hours are you putting in a week to make this thing lift off? Oh, I don't know. I I don't know. I stopped counting. Um, yeah. I would say here here was the thing that I always come back to. And, and, and I, this is not my philosophy by any means. It's one that I've learned from our founder, Seth Saremba. If you focus on the people, um, you're going to win. I think the problem with, uh, and again, this is my first startup. So I, I really, please take what I say with a grain of salt to a certain extent. Um, but I think what has gotten us through the toughest times is the strength of our culture and the belief our team has in each other and the mission and vision and and the product that we have. Um, If you don't have that, things start to fall apart very, very quickly. Um, And it's also the thing that, you know, that extra phone call that you take, the extra email that you send, the extra time that you spend the extra thing that you say, the it's all of those things that you do with the people um, that I think make the biggest impact. So, I, you know, if you can make sure the stress doesn't affect that part, you're good. But there's always stress. That's what makes yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there's stress in business in general. Yeah. Yeah. You. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah. It hits you I, I, I know the feeling. What? Uh, on the flip side of that, what's the most rewarding part of working for a startup? Ooh, gosh, it's hard to pick one thing. That's super hard. Uh, the most rewarding? Could be more than one. Oh, man. I would say, yeah, that's tough, man. I mean, overall, for me personally, it's knowing that I'm making a positive impact on the world. Um, and then I can actually see that impact. I think, you know, I worked for a corporation before two corporations before this, and it's just, there's so much red tape and decisions get made for re you know, you just become so disconnected from the people that you're serving every day. Um, to me, a business is really just, it's a group of people that have a certain, you know, have a, have a certain uh, each, each of them have certain skill sets that are necessary together to solve a problem in society. Like that is a business to me. When you do that, you make a profit um, and you make money. But if you start with, well, I'm going to go start a business to make money, you know, you, and back into solving a problem, I think that's when you have real problems. Um, so I think that some t- it's easy for corporations to, um, you know, sort of bank on on the fact that they're making a profit and forget about why they started in the first place. Um, so being really, really close to that why every single day, having it challenged every day by your clients, by the team, by the market. 
it keeps you honest. It keeps you authentic. Um, and it's just like, it's just like oxygen. So I, I would say that's probably the most rewarding part. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it always comes down to the people, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, just look at, you know, um, I go from watching you on, on stage at, you know, a, a big industry conference, um, with you and Hanley and Joey to becoming like a really good friend and a business partner with you. It's just really interesting. Some of the friends I've made along the way and, and, and business partners and, um, you know, consultants to each other's business and life. And there's just so much to, you know, that you get when you get down to it, it's always about the people, mm-hmm. which is, which is neat. You know, let's talk about your skill set. So content creation, video skills, like where did you, like where did you start? Let's give some nuggets to people that are looking to create content. What, how, how did you get started in doing what you're capable of now with some of the video content and just marketing content in general? Oh my gosh, dude, I just screwed it up a million times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I just started. It's funny because I think the most asked question I get is, how do I start? And there is no good answer for that. You just you have start, to, right? You just, you just do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, to those people out there who maybe are looking for some framework, um, you know, when it comes to creating digital content to attract people online, there's really two things you got to think about. There's, you know, becoming sort of an influencer and and a thought leader and the type of content that, uh, you you know, like a Buzzfeed, right? Something like that, that, ooh, it, it surprises you or it attracts attention or like what you guys are doing with this podcast, um, talking about, um, meaningful things that matter to people and that people want to listen to and, and, and inspire them. So it's, you know, inspiring, educating, um, and, and helping people grow and learn. So that's sort of one vein of content and that looks different to every business. Um, you know, and, and you could take it a million directions. And then the other bucket is what does Google want? Right. Cause we live in the age of information. So, I can search on Google for any question that I have. Sometimes that's an easier place to start is when you look at your business and you're thinking about creating content for your website, what are the questions that you get asked literally every day? Mm-hmm. Literally every day by this, by different customers. They And you're just, oh, why is they're asking me for the 20? Yeah, here we go again, right? We have that moment put that question down on a piece of paper and write an article for it Mm -hmm. or a video with it, put that on your website. And what starts to happen is as you build more content that answers those questions, Google starts to take notice and then ranks you for those questions on their search engine. So that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are there any publications or um, like, content creators you learn from on a, on a regular or podcast you listen to for the video creation stuff? Oh yeah. I have a couple people I follow on YouTube um, for video stuff. Um, they're more creative uh, sort of artistic people like uh, Casey Neistat or Peter McKinnon or Dan Mace. And I just get inspiration from them. I look at the way they edit stuff. Um, 
and and I try to you know adapt that into my videos and and learn okay you know that video got a lot of views well what's different about that video than this video and sort of do my own analysis Mm -hmm. um you know as far as people for content um one of the marcus sheridan did you you heard him speak at elevator yeah yeah he's good yeah i would say he's a and i don't follow him as much anymore but at the beginning he was one of the big he was one of my big influencers. Um, and then Wistia, W-I-S-T-I-A. Oh, man, their content marketing game is like. Mm, pretty solid. Yeah, we use them, actually. Yeah, they're amazing. So, yeah, those are the two places I'd go. Yeah, so for anybody listening, where I'd like for some some you know, the listeners to see your content, they may not understand what you're talking about in insurance, which is fine, but it's really just watching the videos and how things are put together. Is the majority of your stuff still at B atomic or is there another place they can find some of that stuff that you've put out? Uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, B atomic agency nation. Uh, there's some stuff on our YouTube channel, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, and that's more around just digital marketing for, I think it's applicable to a lot of small business, not just, um, you know, not just insurance agencies, but, um, and, uh, and then be atomic, our YouTube channel as well. Yeah. 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 Just you guys, anybody listening would get a sense of the talent level of the person we're talking here in, in, in Sid Rowe. She's really incredible. Whenever a video comes out of her, I'm always in amazement not only at the content, what's being talked about, but really just where she cuts in the editing and, and how she puts things together. It's just, it's really impressive to see. So kudos to you, Sid, for how you, you know, portray your message, which is, it, it's always fun to see. I appreciate that, dude. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's, a, it's an interesting skill set. It's one that a lot of small businesses and a lot of, not even, you know, just, um, you know, professionals and, and people in general, nonprofits that can all learn something from it just because you you can take the leap of faith and you can jump over to video. You don't have to have a ton of equipment or professional, you know, editing skills. I mean, the little thing, little device called an iPhone is extremely powerful and it has more technology packed into it than people used to have access to all around the world, you know, what, 15 years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, Dude, it's a a tool as an example. So we put together a video in January and uh, we probably spent just under a grand on that between all the editing. I had some people helping me with it because I'm not an animation expert. So Mm -hmm. my ideas, I needed their help on. We had some, some, some shoot, you know, some, some footage we had to get all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that, that video generated, Oh, I'd say, like a hundred ish leads all told. Um, wow. Now hold on. Cause we put a video out this week um, and it was recorded on zoom and it cost them $0. <laughs> and uh, we've already had 25 leads come in um, in let's see, it's Wednesday. So three, two and a half days from that wow. video. So it, it's really not, it's not about the video quality. I mean, I, I, as somebody who likes video, I love to geek out on it, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, 
get your message out there. And sometimes the less produced it is, the better. Um, because then people just... It's authentic. Yeah. Nailed it. You're more relatable. So, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Sid, we're, we're, we're running out of time. You're up to an hour. Uh, this has been a good conversation. I appreciate everything you do. Um, indirectly for a lot of people, they don't even know it's being done, but um, you guys are working really hard behind the scenes. You're trying to create a better customer experience for everyone. Um, you know, consumers, business owners, small, small biz owners, everyone alike. So it's a, it's a different twist on things and you're, you're heavily involved and I appreciate all the time you're putting in for that and, and to create a, you know, a different marketplace for a lot of people and, um, you know, creating a, a, a great customer experience. So it, it's neat to see. And I appreciate everything that you've done for us and continue to do and, and what you're doing for the industry and what, you know, what you're doing for Hitchings Insurance here in Finley, Ohio. It's awesome to get to know you dude and, and to really become friends and, and, and know the real Sid Rowe. I, I uh, say the feeling is totally mutual. Um, it was cool to see. Uh, it was cool to actually get to hang out with you on the on the golf course. I do feel like I got to. See, well, I get to see a couple sides of Ryan, including the, the waggle side. <laughs> but uh, I, I also say to anybody listening to this podcast who is not doing business with Ryan and Dominic, you guys need to. Uh, this is the sign you've been waiting for. Um, you need to get in touch with them. They're two of the best people that I've come across, and um, you're missing out if you're not doing business with them. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah. We appreciate having you. I appreciate the plug. Obviously we didn't, didn't ask for that. And it's, it just shows, um, you know, how, 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 what you think of us as a group and, and you know, the deep inner workings of how we function and what we, what we stand for. So I appreciate that. This has been the hometown highlights podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation for similar interviews. You can subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors at Hitchings Insurance. Thanks for your time, and we look forward to the next show. This has been the Hometown Highlights Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. For similar interviews, you can subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors at Hitchings Insurance. Thanks for your time, and we look forward to the next show.